Please listen carefully. We notice that you don't get dizzy from like getting blo- your blood taken like a certain amount. So would you be comfortable with us taking a lot more? And I was like, okay. <laughs> Why would you say yes to that? How this is how people die. This is how you wake up in a bathtub with no kidney. <laughs> What's up, sisters? Welcome back to another episode of Everyone and Their Sister. I'm Christina. I'm Natasha, a.k.a. Garlic Bread. And I'm Stephanie. (laughs) And this week we are continuing our theme of forcing each other to watch movies. After Nat's pick last week of Adam Driver's sordid and varied history, this week Steph is the one that uh, had us pick some classics to rewatch. So Steph, why don't you tell us about the white woman you chose? So the white woman that I chose, as we all know, because I said, spoil alert last week, was Reese Witherspoon. But the reason I picked her was because I watched a video on YouTube, as one does, and it was a time interview because her company, her production company, Hello Sunshine, had made top 100 influential companies. Uh, And then I was watching the video, and she said that in 2011, so she had won her Oscar in 2006 for Walk the Line. So in 2011... Her agent sent her a script, and she's like, this is the biggest piece of shit I've ever seen. To quote her, misogynistic. And then her agent's like, every actress in Hollywood wants this role. And she's like, why? (laughs) It's garbage. Hence why she created her own production company, because her husband said to her, you read more books than anyone. Sounds familiar. I wish I read more books than anyone. Should I go make a production company myself? Um, So she did that. And the first two books she optioned was Wild and Gone Girl, which I didn't realize Gone Girl was produced or like whatever, produced, created by her company. So that is how Hello Sunshine uh, was created. Okay, but do we know what the script was? That was so shitty? I don't. Like, what was big in, I guess it would have been 2012 then. Who got that role? (laughs) Well, like, she did some bullshit romantic comedies for a while there, like, she really did like, like some of the movies that were picked for this yes <laughs> so i'll tell you the movies that i picked i picked a cl- the classic and as one does please make sure you explain why you picked each one for each of us yes okay so i picked like so we had also watched legally blonde previously i don't know when we watched it so i was like i'm i don't remember what legally blonde 2 is but i remember liking it so i picked legally blonde 2 for nat just because of the storyline about fighting for (laughs) to stop animal testing (laughs) and i was like she could relate to that she has three bunnies in her house right now (laughs) um and then for christina i picked cruel intentions just because i'm like she's gonna enjoy this preppy villain asshole played by reese witherspoon's first husband ryan philippe and and it's like basically dark academia before that even Mm. existed that movie still holds up, but we're going to get into it that. Really does. And then for myself, I picked Sweet Home Alabama, which I've never seen. I think I've tried it. I get to the part where she get she comes home and her her ex husband, sorry, her husband, um, yells at her from the porch, and then I've stopped. And I was like, I don't know why. Overall, did we enjoy ourselves? Also, okay. Also, bonus pick was Election, which I didn't watch. Three movies was a lot for me. You didn't watch it. I love how it was your original pick. I love how me and Christina both definitely watched it. I absolutely did. did. Um, but no, I was like, I was torn between the two. But I was like, I'm going to watch Sweet Home Alabama because it was the most recent for her. Mm. Yeah, I watched all four because I also remember liking Election. So I feel like at the end, we should have a little moment about Election between me and Nat. Yeah. Um, just, <laughs> just to discuss it because it was a better watch than Sweet Home Alabama. Oh, for <laughs> sure. Truly, <laughs> truly. And I think that's a great segue for Steph, you to talk about Sweet Home Alabama. <laughs> well, okay. Sweet Home Alabama, prototype of every romantic comedy you've probably ever seen. Uh, Reese Witherspoon's name. She's a fashion designer in New York. I don't remember the, her actor's name. Goes back to Alabama to get a divorce from her husband that she literally just up and left from high school because she got pregnant. They got married. And then I assume there was a miscarriage. They never really explicitly say that, which checks out for that type of Republic movie. Republic? Republican, Republican movie. Yeah. <laughs> movie that it, that it is. Uh, so she comes home. Sorry. She gets engaged to Patrick Dempsey's character whose mom is a politician and she has hopes for her son to become the next president of the United States. 
so she's trying to get a divorce from her husband. Uh, but of course he's still in love with her and he doesn't want to give her a divorce. And then she comes home and is a terrorist to everyone she who loved her growing up, but turns into a total trash human. <laughs> what does she do? She's mean to people. She outs Bobby Ray. When she to outed his friend. Oh. And like that's the theme that I've noticed in Reese Witherspoon movie. There's there's that one gay character. There's like there's always one of the one person mm-hmm. who's like to show you're progressive in these movies. She's just total trash, and then they re- try to redeem her um, by crying about her dog that died. Which sure, that's the, actually the only part I cried. <laughs> I only cared about the dog. I didn't even care about her. I was like the dog didn't have anyone. The dog was lonely. I can see, I can 100% see why she's like, I'm tired of doing this bullshit because you have a, you have a black gay man in her father's house and he's either grossed out or scared and I was going to lose my mind. I'm like, this is the kind of shit you're putting out in like, what, 2005, 2006? Confederate! This is the thing. This movie brought in so many factors that could have been so good or progressive or whatever but then it was like nah we can we can go to they bring they bring this like black gay men into their home they have an opportunity here what what, what do they do they don't use it and first of all no wait second of all there is a confederate pillow just sitting on the couch the whole movie the whole movie and i was like what yeah like when her dad is like oh, we can't, just because we're ashamed of our history, we can't forget it. And then heads off to his little Confederate, like, Civil War reenactment. And I was just like, what the hell is wrong with you? And at the same time, I was like, this isn't as terrible as it could be. Oh, that's certainly true. It could certainly could be worse. But what I think is funny about the whole, like, him dressing up to be in the Civil War reenactment, and then he drops the line of, like, we, you know, we can't forget where we came from. You know, you got to remember your sordid past. But then he has the Confederate pillow. And it's like, you're not supposed to remember it fondly, though, sir. Yeah. Like, that's the difference. Like, you're supposed to be aware of it, but not um, have versions of it in your house everywhere. What's also super funny about these things where it's like, back to fucking vampire diaries. And why are all of your old vampires, why were they fucking Confederate soldiers? You know that they had to have reenactors also on the union side how fucking difficult would it have been for him to just been a union soldier do you think that they're fighting fake imaginary people in their reenactment no some of them were being yanked like oh oh every time it comes up every time anything is filmed in the south it stop stop you don't need to do well, this. Well, there were also, there were Republicans. And I, oh, yeah. And I was like, that that today would not have flown. No one would have watched this movie because, like, insane. And they're like, no, it was no big deal. I'm like, I guess it wasn't that big of a deal 15, 20 years ago. But now it's like, oh, no. But somehow. That would not. But somehow they were still, like, more progressive Republicans than today. Like, the fact that they have, like, a gay friend and none of them, like, I mean, like, they blink, but it's, like, barely. They're like, yeah, whatever. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. (laughs) As someone who has watched so much early 2000s television and movies, and also even current today ones, there is this trend in movies where it, I think, and this is what I feel that it is. The people who are making these movies and writing these movies, maybe they even vote Republican, to be honest, because of their money. But most of their sensibilities are very liberal aligned. But they need to attract a Republican audience because so much of the country is Republican. So what they do is they drop in all of these characters who are Republican. But then when you look at them, they actually don't have almost no Republican values. Like there's nothing about them that aligns them with the Republican Party, except maybe occasionally they're for guns, maybe occasionally, you know, it's about lower taxes, but every time they can't have them be too Republican or else the audience won't like them. So they literally need to like call them Republicans, but actually all that's happening is that these fucking like just liberal, it's just liberal people. It's just, you know, centrists. Every single time. One thing that is great in this movie is the ending in general, because truly, in what world would you ever pick this random man who refused to divorce you for 15 years Mm -hmm. over Patrick Dempsey, who rented out an entire jewelry store for you, is genuinely a very lovely and nice person, is a Democrat, okay? Do not marry Mm -hmm. a Republican, Mm -hmm. even if you are one. 
Reese, I don't know what's going on character in this movie. Um, and then when, when she ends up leaving Patrick Dempsey in the middle of their wedding, like yeah. they get so far into this. I completely forgot how deep she got into this. He literally looks at her and he's like, I understand. Basically, like, you have to do you. This man was so understanding. I, like, genuinely, I was like, girl, why are you leaving him? <laughs> yeah. I was like, this man is a dream. <laughs> like, what? And, like, why does she like the num- husband number one? Because he made a glass factory, which is where you had your first kiss as a 12-year-old? She's like, oh, like, he's rich now. Truly, that's what it was. And, like, also, we don't know what happens to her fashion career. And as I said to you guys yesterday, I'm like, is this, did she then morph into Lily Pulitzer? Like, is that what her line is? Did she become uh, Draper James? Like, is that, like, what happened to her career? What happened? I need to know. So as you know, it's a Republican-ish movie, so her career doesn't matter. All that matters is that she makes babies and doesn't lose them this time. Oh, when you watch the post credit scene, it's all pictures of their family life. So it's them having yeah. a kid that's five. There's nothing there about her continued fashion line, despite the fact that she was apparently blowing up Fashion Week. This was such a classic, like, I love romantic comedies. And the worst part is, having not watched this since around the time it came out, I remember thinking, not fondly of this movie, but being like, oh, Sweet Home Alabama, that's a classic, you know? That's a classic romantic comedy. Because the fact is, like, it is. Everyone knows about Sweet Home Alabama. But then at the same time, you watch it and you're like, oh, this is why they killed romantic comedies for a couple years. Like, mm-hmm. this was the this is definitely one of them. I feel like they definitely, like, the, the kiss scene in the rain might have been adapted many times like think about like the notebook like i feel like that kiss scene in the rain was so Mm. iconic because like i remember that scene so vividly like i could not remember the rest of this movie but that scene i was like oh yeah i remember this i remember him sticking those rods in starts raining the whole thing i remember that whole scene i remember exactly where i was when i first saw that scene and i was just like wow so after she won her oscar she did a bunch of romantic comedies so she did just like heaven uh, yeah. Four Christmases. Just like... How do you know? This means war. Ooh. So here's the thing about these. So um, just like Heaven, I actually like. I actually rewatched fairly recently. And like, yes, it's a hot mess because of when it came out, but it's significantly better than Sweet Home Alabama. I would even go so far as to say I vaguely recommend it. Um, Mark Ruffalo in that, I forgot that that there was a time where he was like a love interest type character. Mm. Um, So would recommend. This Means War makes me so angry because it's so problematic. It literally, it's so creepy because they basically spy on her and put like cameras in her home. And they try to make it seem like, oh, everything's okay because they'll show you scenes where they like turn off the camera before anything gets too creepy. But you're still recording. Like, no. Um, and then Four Christmases, also not terrible, even though no one's to support Vince Vaughn anymore. Why? What did Vince Vaughn do? He's like a Republican or something, and it's like a oh, whole thing. Jesus. He's like a Trump supporter. Okay, no thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. should we move on to... I have or a, do you have more I to have, say? I don't have anything more to say, but I have a great segue from your movie into Nats. When I was looking up some information about Sweet Home Alabama, because I was like, what on earth is happening here? And I was also looking at, up some stuff about Legally Blonde, too. I found out that I didn't realize Sweet Home Alabama came out in between the two Legally Blondes. And when they were looking at the um, like numbers for how Legally Blonde 2 performed, they were surprised because they were hoping that it would do as well as Sweet Home Alabama did. They made the Legally Blonde 2 because Sweet Home Alabama was so successful. And they're like, oh, we'll definitely make that much money again with Reese Witherspoon and it actually made less money. And it's one of those situations where I'm like, I understand because Legally Blonde 2 is not as good as the first one, but also it should have made more than Sweet Home Alabama. (laughs) Well, Legally Blonde 2, we're going to have to go into it. It's the same storyline as the first one. They just, even the same lines. The fact that I know that is because we watched it too close together. Yeah. But it's, it's like... They didn't even try. Copy paste. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't even know that I would 
could respect it enough to call it the same movie. Like, I just, like, there was so much wrong with this movie. Like, Mm -hmm. I I mean, I don't know about anybody else, but I had only seen this movie once. So when I went in, it felt like it was with fresh eyes. I don't even know. Did this even make it to theaters? I don't know. It feels like a direct-to-video type of movie. That's what it (laughs) felt like when I was watching it. Because, like, you go in and you're like, oh, the acting in this, first of all, terrible terrible like some of the acting i was like i don't know why they're doing this this way because some of these people are like the same people from before yeah how did they get the whole yeah like do you remember like her her sorority friends or whatever besties they were so cute and excited in the first movie in Mm -hmm. this movie it felt like so contrived like it was like they were putting it on more and they couldn't be bothered. It's a fan fiction syndrome. Yeah. When something turns into fan fiction. Like, it was just, like, it was too much. And so, okay, for those who don't know anything about this movie, basically, Elle Woods, at her, like, law, big law firm in Boston, I don't know, she's doing really well, whatever, and then she's like, oh, I've got a plan for my wedding, i got to invite... She's up for a promotion. She's up for a promotion. She's up for network. promotion. Um, she's getting along with everyone. Her boss loves her. Her her wedding is coming up. She's gonna get married at Fenley Fenley Park with Emmett. It's gonna be a great thing. And then she's like, I gotta invite Bruce's mom. Because of course this brilliant lawyer who's at the top of her game is like, you know what's logical? I got to find Bruiser's mom because this is what Bruiser wants <laughs> because Bruiser is the one giving me away at my wedding. Apparently <laughs> like this, is, this is how involved we are, me and Bruiser. And so she's like, I'm going to go look for his mom. She hires a fucking private detective. This detective thinks she's insane. Rightly so. He finds her mom or Bruiser's mom somehow at what, what was that? Was the company called? It was a Versace. Versace, uh, but it was like yeah. Versace acronym as in yeah. not the real Versace, but like a lab where they do makeup testing. And Bruce's mom was one of the dogs being tested on. And she is livid. She's thrown. She wants to buy the dog. They don't do it. So then she ends up going to Washington to make Bruiser's bill working under like some congresswoman or something. And then is like, we're going to we're going to end animal testing forever. Guys, this movie is horrible the premise is horrible everything the only good things about this movie was it brought two very amazing actresses probably into the public eye octavia spencer and regina Mm -hmm. king that is all that matters and even like in the public eye for octavia spencer's character should not be considered because she doesn't have a name she's in three seconds she's the security guard at versace but she played that security guard like it was for her life like i was like yes Yes, you stop her and then don't chase after her because you're not getting paid enough for this. I do desperately would, would like to just talk about this movie in general. But I have to say, in everything that I might have expected you to say about this movie, what I did not anticipate was for you to be so offended by the premise that she needs to have Bruiser's mom at the funeral <laughs> because that absolutely sounds like the kind of insane shit I would expect you to do. Listen, I don't give a shit about Loki's family. <laughs> I'm he's, his family he's now. He's the one I adopted. <laughs> he's the only one that needs to be at this wedding. Uh, so what I'm getting is almost a vague sense of jealousy. <laughs> a little bit like, no, I'm his real family. If he ever met any of his actual family, he might love me less. So now this is almost concerning. I, Your relationship with Loki, I just have worries, okay? I, and I just... I don't get it. I don't get it. I, I don't. <laughs> I love. Okay. Fine. Animal testing. Get rid of it. The whole. The thing is, the first movie showed us that she could go from being like just a normal, like fun, like kind of silly person to being very serious as a lawyer. And then this took us in the opposite direction. It took us from serious yeah. lawyer to a fucking idiot. <laughs> I will say, as someone who is not generally an animal person, I did not find it slightly unrealistic that somebody who is an animal person would care this much about this fact uh, and thing. Like, it just, ab- again, everyone that I know that has pets, I'd be like, I assume they would do something absurd like mm-hmm. this as well. Mm-hmm. So I will say from that perspective, that actually did not bother me. The premise under which she tries this bill, but 100%, the first movie is very, like, subversive in where yeah. where it takes her character. Um, showing that she can be like serious but also herself at the same time to this which is just like what is going on this is nonsense also also another connection to sweet home uh, sweet home alabama 
very Republican movie if we're if we're being on because yeah. we're already in politics and then we get like her main her main dude in whatever what what is it the court <laughs> guys I don't in, know in, I don't know US yeah, politics yeah. you know yeah, yeah. like one of the judgy looking dudes <laughs> yeah. he he's a hardcore Republican and he's like I'm not gonna support this bill and she wins him over because both of their dogs are gay for each other <laughs> I have to say. I think the theme of this episode, and I think the the uh, title of this episode should be "Don't Don't Watch Things That You Liked," because <laughs> I again, Legally Blonde Two is not one I've ever felt the need to rewatch. Like I've rewatched the first one a couple times, never gone back to Legally Blonde Two. But when thinking of it before watching it, I was like, "No, Legally Blonde Two was was enjoyable. I I liked yeah. it. I remember being like, "No, no, it was like it was again. It's a classic. There's a couple of scenes and a couple of lines that stick in your brain forever. Specifically." Jennifer Coolidge saying she feels like a hot dog. Um, and a couple other things. I remember the two gay dogs. I remember that being kind of funny. Like, I remember liking it, but I would have watched it when it came out, maybe even one or two years after that for a second time. Going back and watching it now, I'm like so annoyed because, wow, this is garbage. This is so bad in so many ways. And like, again, it's a copy paste of the first one. Everyone mm-hmm. is so dumbed down for seemingly no reason whatsoever. And like nothing satisfying is there. Like, again, one of the absolute best parts of the first one is when her and um, Selma Blair end up becoming friends because yeah. it's like you don't expect that. You expect them to be enemies that hate each other. And then it goes, no, no, no. In this world, your enemies should not be other women. It's like the men that are trying to take advantage of you. And like it highlights different things like that. And it's really good in that sense. In this one, there is no satisfying line for her being friends with any of the people that she works with. Like it just happens. Yeah. Also, guys. For like no reason. The snap cup. Just embrace it. Listen. I used to say stupid shit all the time, but I would say I'm fairly intelligent when needed. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't why why am I needing to defend this shit for a movie that came out what, a billion years ago? <laughs> that that was like I'm like I'm mad at this. Yeah. yeah. And like Reese Witherspoon's smart. She was an executive producer on this. So I'm like, you pick this? Why? I literally think she was like, let me get paid. I mean, fair. Fair. She probably had a kid by then. I am still very interested to see what happens with the third one. Because oh. I feel like she has more creative control now. And she has been making other good movies and TV mm-hmm. shows in the past. And we'll see. I So one of the reasons I was looking up Legally Blonde 2 is because I wanted to see if there was a difference in the directors and the writers from the first one. And so the first one was written entirely by this. I looked it up too. Yep. The first one's written entirely by this one woman and has this one dude director. The second one, the f- woman that wrote the first one is like co-wrote the second one so i don't know how involved she was and then it's a different male director and i just want to know desperately like was it the male director on the second one that like fucked it all Mm. up or was it at the script stage that it was ruined Hmm. and i don't know friends i know some of the some of the acting was really off though like oh it was terrible like the way they fucked up jennifer coolidge how do you fuck up jennifer coolidge you could just exist on a movie and probably do her lines great but like it, like there was like the whole haircutting scene with her was just like it was hard to watch yeah it's it's not it's not good it's not it's yeah. so disappointing <laughs> it's not how not good it is because again if you had asked i would have been like yeah absolutely legally blonde too the legally blonde franchise we simply support it in this household and that's incorrect in this household there's only one legally blonde movie and maybe there'll be a second one when the third one comes out uh Cruel Intention, what were your feelings, what were your thoughts? Because, like, that, this Cruel Intentions was my favorite of all of them. Oh, yeah. Cruel mm-hmm. Intentions is the only one that held up. And 100%. also say Cruel Intentions is a, one of those movies that, like, you could remake it now, and I would genuinely understand why you would remake that movie. Because you could tell a similar story, but the way it would change by telling it in modern times with access to certain things now that didn't exist then, oof, oof, it would be good. This movie is genuinely genuinely still very good and it comes down to the fact that the acting in it is impeccable sarah michelle geller in this movie is it was like i'm a, shocked she doesn't do more things like this. Right? it's a concept we talked about sally fields in legally blonde too and how sally fields is like it's not that she's an underrated actress because i feel like everyone knows she's amazing but she's actually not in a lot of stuff and yeah. honestly sarah michelle geller on her way to that because every time she's mm-hmm. in something, I'm like, you are such a good actress. But then 
She'll be in like maybe a movie a year. Maybe. Most of the time she's just taking care of her kids and being married yeah. to Freddie Prince Jr. But like, I, I, I honestly, uh, did you guys ever watch The Ringer, the show that she was yeah. in? Okay, so like I feel like like a lot of the vibes from Cool Intentions, she brought part of that into The Ringer. And I was like, this girl knows. <laughs> she embodies every character she ever has to play. Like I still watch Simply Irresistible to this day, even though it's a hot mess, because she is genuinely so good in that. And Cruel Intentions, like what a classic. Like she makes that movie. Everyone else in that movie to me is secondary to her. Um, even though all the acting was pretty solid, fucking Pacey. I don't even feel like we need to go over the plot of Cruel Intentions. I feel like at this point, probably everybody knows. But the core thing that you need to know is basically there's these two step siblings and they create a sex pact because that's all it is. But instead of being a com- instead of being like a comedy, it's a very, very dark movie with some comedic elements. Um, and it's really about how they're playing games with people as the like pieces in the game. And ultimately how Sarah Michelle Gellar's character, it turns out she was basically playing him the entire time. Mm -hmm. Um, And he gets his like revenge on her through Reese Witherspoon's character, through that like big shocking twist at the end. Um, Basically he wanted, he, the, 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 the pact was he needed to sleep with Reese Witherspoon because she said in a magazine that she's waiting till marriage. I don't. What is her I character name in this? I don't even remember. Reese Witherspoon. We're simply gonna call her. She Reese. also like filmed this right after election too, which we'll talk about. But like, yeah, I remember. She's... Yeah, like her acting in this was surprisingly re- like. I mean, like obviously she's a good actress, but like there was something like while because she looks very young in this movie. Like, I, I how old are they all supposed to be? They're supposed to be like. This is the one problem with this movie, because obviously there's a lot of like sexual content in this movie. That's very much the point of it. And it's very acknowledging that like just because they're teens, they're also rich and incredibly privileged. They live a very Mm -hmm. different life than everyone. And like this is also a perfect movie for making people that you absolutely fucking hate, but enjoy watching because everyone in this movie is a garbage crap bag of a person. But Mm -hmm. man, I loved watching them. Um, But the age thing, like watching this movie when it came out, came out in 1999. So I was eight. And I remember watching it, if not at eight, a few years later. And the way that I felt about this movie as a child, watching them in those situations is very different as a grown man, as a grown woman, where (laughs) I am a rich man, mom. I am a rich man, mom. Exactly. It's exactly (laughs) what I'm thinking. Um, As a grown woman being like, you're all children. Like I was so uncomfortable in some of the scenes with Selma Blair because I think she's supposed to be like around 14 years old, but she also yeah. acts even younger than that. So yes. it's like, I don't want to watch this. Like it feels very like Lolita-esque and I'm like, what is mm. happening? And like, even if like they're all technically children, like even if none of them are 18, it's still weird because some of you are clearly much older than her physically and mentally it was it was rough but at the same time again as a movie it holds up because Mm -hmm. at no point are these good people yeah even like which is interesting because you never have a movie that they're at the end of the day they're all shitty yeah and like even like even though like which like this is this is my one complaint about it even though they paint sebastian as some like or brian Phillippe's character whatever um as like this like <laughs> wronged hero at the end. I was yeah. like, the man was awful. He was awful. Yeah. How dare you even try to pretend? He really tries to act like he can uh, redeem himself when the shit that he did at the beginning of the movie yeah. with basically like putting revenge porn, but mm-hmm. not even revenge on the person of porn that he put on the internet, revenge of that person's mother. Like mm-hmm. it's so elaborate. I almost think it would have been better if at the end he hadn't actually learned anything and like he was just fucking up the whole time like i would have loved if there was some way that reese witherspoon's big like reveal had also come down on him a little bit even the memory slash ghost of him like i am glad what happens to him because you deserve to die for some of the things that you did (laughs) yeah also one thing is like so there is one black character in this whole movie and he's the um like cello instructor save or whatever. the last dance save the last dance <laughs> and he there's a lot of moments where the show like acknowledges the weird way it talks yeah. about like it's not like 
Yeah. It's one black character and they're treating him poorly because they even show how like Christine Bransky, who hires him to teach her daughter, is like, I took you off the streets. And he's like, ma'am, I literally live on the Upper East Side. Like, <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? And at one point she's trying to talk with him and she like whispers black. It's it, like, it's, it's so on the nose. I love yes. it. I was but like, the, yes. But the only thing I struggled with is that I mean, he he's a gro- he's a grown man. He's a rich man, mom. And again, Selma Blair's character is like fourteen. No, is he? I thought he was in high school. Like he's he's gonna go to college. Oh, he's gonna go yeah, to Juilliard. Yeah, yeah. So he's in high yeah, school. Yeah, he got into Juilliard, but he isn't there yet. Okay, so he's around the same age as Sebastian, but it's even worse then because like at least Sebastian, the point was that he was like not worse, but I'm gonna say like Sebastian's purpose was. We they knew it was wrong the whole time. Mm-hmm. You're so much older than this very, very, very young girl. Why are you sending her love letters? Like, why are you at 17, 18 sending love letters to a child? Like, I don't I like it. <laughs> also, but like every scene that they put him in was perfection. Like, oh, yeah. just like... Well, this, you know he's just being like white people. Yeah, like, like that's, this, you can see it in his the eyes. The recording where like, she she accidentally shows him her crotch when she's showing him her move. Fucking hilarious. The scene where he's under Sarah Michelle's like roll-out <laughs> bed or whatever, died. The scene where he gets fired and he's jumping down the hall like <laughs> whatever. And I was just like, I love this man. Where did this man go? What's what is his acting career like? Like I need to see him in more things. I think he's, he's I think he's been in some TV shows. Okay, yeah. okay. Because I because I, I had to check in to be like, where are you at? But I was just like, this man's brilliant. I love him. <laughs> he's the highlight. <laughs> but this movie holds up. You could watch Cruel Intentions tomorrow and still have a good yeah. time. Which also um, another theme, <laughs> if we're if we're gonna relate it back to the other two, probably all of them are Republican. <laughs> Well, they're and, that rich, yeah. 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 And also, secondly, um, Sebastian threatens to out his friend. I know shit. Like, I was just people, like... People love that in the early 2000s. They wanted to show, like, oh, we have gay people in our sphere, but they didn't understand what any of that meant. But also, Pacey's character, wow. I... Bruh, what a great job. <laughs> Give him a movie. Yeah. <laughs> I want his story. What a wild... The, man- the insults about, like, gay people was really, like, off-putting to me. And I was like, what? Why are you saying that? But, like... Mm-hmm. But then but then they have the Selma Blair, uh, Sarah Michelle Keller kiss. And I was just like, Honestly. iconic. Oh, we iconic. Didn't even- that-, that that kiss was, like, literally 30 minutes into the movie. I'm yeah. like, wow. That's co- early. <laughs> it was so early. But also, again, like, the most iconic movie kiss in the history of the world. Yeah. 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 And they're in Central Park. And uh, they filmed this in... New York actually which was interesting to me I'm like whoa people don't do that anymore and those two are still really close friends by the way <laughs> I like I genuinely love that for them yeah I know so cute okay obviously the love story so the re- the only reason he liked <laughs> Reese Witherspoon is because she's like you're too serious that that's the only that's the only she moment I can laugh. that he was like into it and then but then I'm like so um Sebastian which is Ryan Philippe has the most heinous lines that every girl has probably run mm-hmm, up to mm-hmm. of some guy trying to be like, but you're so beautiful or some bullshit. I'm like, I can't watch this because when I first watched this, I'd never picked up on the, how shitty those lines were until I come back <laughs> as a grown adult being like, oh my God, he's that person. Heinous. Yeah. I don't think there's ever been a movie like this movie ever. Like I can't even think of like a single wow. teen-ish movie that's come close to doing the bizarreness <laughs> like it's it's serious but there's like there's another element to it that's so bizarre that i have not seen anywhere else that i could pinpoint i really think this this should be turned into a tv show for today like i think this could do, could do extremely it. well but like sebastian has to be by like that's they all do that's they a, all do yeah. yeah that's true what am i saying yeah <laughs> And, then, and, like, the possibilities are endless. You know what? If you made Elite, but without all the murder, that would probably be the closest mm. thing to this. Oh, oh, true. That was... Okay, this is the thing. As I was watching this, I was like, you know what could have made this movie so good? Or if they did, like, a part two. If Selma Blair's character flips on them and is the one playing the games. Yeah. <laughs> in the end, I was like, that would have been so good! Especially because she's so immature for her 
even yeah. her age, like she has played as so, so, so childlike. It really, truly would have been amazing if at the end it was like, and that's how you do that. Um, <laughs> that's the season yeah. one finale twist. Oh, you, gotta, um, we, you have to work it up we, for 12 Are episodes. we writing the script? Is this I what's happening are, right yeah. now? So at the end of the movie, you have Reese Witherspoon. After she has caused chaos, she drives off in Sebastian's um, car with the wind blowing. And that, that to me, I was like, that's an yeah. excellent shot. Although even, like, logistically, how'd she get that car? Like, he was a child. He didn't own anything. <laughs> that car her. belonged to his his father. Loki, here's the thing. She stole this car. <laughs> we know she's a bad bitch on the inside. She, she got that printed out diary. It's true. She, also, his, why, so he's like emotional with his with his journal. We didn't even talk. Bro, his diary is a scrapbook. Like he doesn't just write down what's going on. He includes pictures and all the like scrapbooky pictures he has of Sarah Michelle Geller. And then like he cut out the thing from the magazine. Oh my god! Okay, this, so this man. This scrapbook actually relates to the original work. So like that Cruel Intentions is based on a French book called Les Liaisons Dangerous or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. It's it, the whole novel is like um, it's written in letters and like scrapbook style. So like that scrapbook is literally a reference to the original. So I was just like, oh my God, they really had to do it. But also it'd be so funny if they made it like he was like a middle-aged like Mormon mom and he had like the washi tape. Like, oh. have you seen those TikToks? Oh, so funny. Of just like, okay, freaking... the, the modern TV show. We can do this. Exactly. Like, <laughs> I, want it, I want him to have a craft room. He presses flowers. Like, it, it's his emotional it, it would be room. A, it, would be a, it would be a Microsoft OneNote if we're going to, and then he'd copy paste <laughs> the images into it. I guess my, like, my question is more, okay, at the end, and I don't know if this is like an interpretation thing, like maybe I interpret it interpreted it differently before but at the end you think like sarah michelle geller's character is the one playing everyone else the most but is i feel like her reaction and what she does to sebastian is because of her jealousy is it not she's in i think she's in love with him so she got back and she never assumed that he would love someone else because she thinks he's in love with her like she's in love with him Mm -hmm. But, the, so but then he, but then he, against him. but then he destroys her chance with her old boyfriend that she wanted to like rule the schools with or whatever. I don't think she ever she she only ever wanted was Sebastian. I think. I think, I think yes, she wanted him, but I think she always wanted him as like a side piece kind of idea. I think what she wanted was that publicly to have mm-hmm. that. Like I don't think she was into the old boyfriend at all. I think that publicly that's who she needed to be with for them to be like a big power couple i also agree that she was definitely way more into sebastian because again i think like kindred spirits they were both terrible people and she saw that her she saw those pieces of them together but i also agree that she's very much like a product of her environment in a sense Mm. like I find it so interesting when she talks about like people are being so cruel to her because of how much she sleeps around where she also very much uses sex as power. Yeah. Like she's just such a fascinating character in general that I think you can read her multiple ways and they're all mm-hmm. correct in a way. You know what I mean? Yeah. I felt like she was like, I, she wanted to be loved and the fact that Sebastian loved Reese Witherspoon character threw her for a loop and she was pissed off about yeah. that gets really mad at him and part of what she says at the end is a revenge piece well i think also like it's key that knowing and understanding that they both are narcissists like she can only i mean like like the big thing about narcissists is that they actually don't love themselves at all they actually hate themselves so like the way she's played everybody is actually like it's because she hates herself too but like if you look at it that way like even the way she talks about like why shouldn't i take control as a woman why shouldn't i be able to like have sex with anybody and with multiple partners or whatever and she says that in the movie and she's like why shouldn't i have that control but at the same time you can see like if you flip it and you think about the fact that she's like a narcissist the whole time she actually hates that about herself too and she hasn't come to terms with that fact about herself so she is using it as a weapon essentially And I think there's a lot of really interesting things there where, like, she doesn't want Sebastian to be a better person. She wants Mm -hmm. them both to be Mm -hmm. stuck in the dark and the evil with each other. But at the same time, I don't think Sebastian ever really does become a better person. Agreed. And I think that I also don't think that he was in love with Reese Witherspoon at all either. Like, I more agree with her what um, uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar said, where he's in love with the idea of the person that Mm -hmm. Reese Witherspoon makes him. A hundred percent. Yeah. Good. And then, see, yeah. 
so many interpretations yeah. for this fucking movie. Genuinely, this movie is so good. It's so good. I, and this is the thing. I was like reading. So I know it's like a cult classic, but I was like reading like reviews. Of it. it has really bad reviews. And I was like, sir, I don't think you watched this movie properly. So good. And I think this is a good time to move into talking about election. Our last Republican movie. Our last Republican movie. Because election is also that kind of movie where it's like, there's a couple different ways to interpret election, I think, based on how obvious you think the person who's writing it it was. And so for the quick audience and Steph a little, just because I'm not sure if you even remember what election is about or if you've watched it before. I like lightly remember what it's about, but... And admittedly, even I, like, I've seen Election a couple times in the past, and even I forgot what it was about. When it was starting, I think I, I messaged the chat, and I was like, do, like, a teacher and a student have a relationship in this? Is that the premise? Because I couldn't remember. But they, the whole thing takes place at a school in, like, Minnesota. Shout out to Reese Witherspoon's accent in particular. <laughs> um, I'm so used to either her southern. north or her southern accent. It was real fun to get the little Minnesota piece that she had in there. Um, and Ferris Bueller plays a teacher at that school who is like his life is sad he's just a sad old man and he really takes out that sadness on Reese Witherspoon's character who is a young ambitious uh, teen who was groomed by another teacher at that school and they ended up in a relationship and then people found out about that relationship and he was forced to leave the school but that other teacher was Ferris Bueller's best friend so he's mad at Reese Witherspoon in addition to just being mad at his own life so he takes it out on this yes very annoying but has done nothing wrong young girl so she is running for student body president and she's running unopposed and despite her he convinces Keanu Reeves, the popular jock, to uh, run against her. Is it in Keanu Reeves? Um, whatever, Chris <laughs> Klein. But okay, listen, the whole time I was calling him Keanu because he looks like young Keanu. Uh, because young Chris Klein looked like young Keanu Reeves. I'm going to keep calling him Keanu. Is very popular jock, but he busted up his leg so he can't play football anymore. So Ferris Bueller convinces him to run in the election against Reese Witherspoon to ruin her life. And Keanu's uh, lesbian sister, who is against the patriarchy and doesn't care about school at all, is mad at Keanu because her secret girlfriend dumps her because she says, I'm not a lesbian, I refuse to date you. And to spite her, starts dating Keanu to like prove that she's not gay. So then Keanu's sister is mad about that. Young lesbian is mad. So she then also throws her hat in the ring for president and runs on the platform of I hate politics, don't you as well? So she's actually very popular in her running. She's very, in that sense, Um, (laughs) Trump-esque. And so now the the theme is that they're all running for student body president against each other with like your very ambitious Republican Reese Witherspoon, your more casual Republican uh, Keanu, and then young lesbian as the anarchist, (laughs) you know, uh, what's what's the term? Uh, Ron Swanson calls himself this. I forget. Libertarian, the libertarian candidate. So everybody's a Republican. And at the whole time, Ferris Bueller's character, who, again, is spiting a 16-year-old girl or Mm 17-year-old girl, Max, uh, because his life is sad, is trying to have a baby with his wife who he doesn't love. Um, And his best friend, the one who slept with Reese Witherspoon, left behind a wife that he's into and he sees as like a perfect person because he doesn't actually see women Mm -hmm. as people at all. He only sees them as what they can do for him. So he starts uh, helping her out around the house and then basically wants sex for doing that. And then because this woman is emotionally very sad and very vulnerable, she does at one point give in to him and they do bone. And he calls her and acts like, oh my God, our life together is perfect. We should get, we should be together forever. Like forget the fact that I have a wife. Let's just keep having an affair. But she, after having sex one time is like, oh my God, what a big mistake. My best friend is your wife. And then so in a fit of rage and in a fit of um, being a grown man, who is responsible for his own life choices, uh, refuses to acknowledge that. It gets so angry that he rigs the election so that Reese Witherspoon loses, even though she actually won. And 
eventually people find out about this and they're like, you're an adult, sir. And so he loses his job. Good. And then there's like a whole thing where you find out he went to New York and he has a whole narration voiceover where he's acting like his life is great, but you know that it's not. And it's very thing. And he's still holding a grudge against Reese Witherspoon years and years ago. And it's very fascinating, very interesting for the way that men are garbage. So this is my problem with this movie. It could have been like, this man is terrible. He's an incel without being celibate, blah, 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 all of this. But then at the end, they show Reese Witherspoon with a Republican candidate who she's clearly boning. And he's like a billion years older than her. And it's implied at the end. And I was like, what is the cycle of this fucking movie? I don't think they were boning. I didn't think they were. I think I think you can absolutely read it that way in this movie. And I think this is where like this movie takes a couple different interpretations. Because it's not like, because you see them coming out of basically work together both in their like judges robes because they're now both judges um and they come out of there and they go into limo and like don't get me wrong they're close but they don't like kiss or make out or anything they just get into a car so i feel like yes you could interpret it that way but i don't think like and maybe that's exactly what they were intending um but either way like yeah i think you can definitely take it that way and listen at the end of the day probably but also who cares if she's sleeping with this older man like they're all no but this is the thing like it's not about that it's about the fact that the whole movie is about showing how she takes power from strong men by sleeping with them and i hate that storyline i hate it so much so here's where i think and I, because it's written by a man, I'm not going to give them the credit and think that this is what they were doing. <laughs> but I think this is a way you could interpret this movie if you were, if you wanted to. Because when watching it, when hearing everybody's voiceovers, I think if you're aware of the fact that one of these voiceovers is coming from a grown man and one of them is coming from a child, when he talks about her, he talks about her with such like evil in mm-hmm. his heart of how bad she is. And then when she talks about her relationship with that teacher, I think there's two ways you can, you can interpret it literally where it's very much like the old man teacher caught feelings for this basically a child and she didn't catch feelings because she's actually cold and calculating and again was stealing his power. Um, and then it's almost like she trapped him or some kind of things. Like she has some kind of like demon vagina that like sucked him in um, and it's all her fault. And the way that she talks about their relationship, like she even says like, we could have had a great one, but then he had to be like a wimp about it and be all soft about it. And that's what caused mm-hmm. these problems. And she talks about how, you know, my favorite thing about our relationship was our talks and everything there. But I think if you think of it in the lens of this is a child speaking, it sounds more like her justifying the relationship to herself than in an event of what actually happened. Like she, it's almost like she makes it, she is making it seem to herself like it was okay this happened because it was what she wanted. But when you really look at the actual events that took place, she's a lonely girl. She's not really loved by her mother. This is the first person who's taken any interest in her whatsoever. And he treats her like with air quotes like an adult but also with a compassion that she hasn't seen before because her mother's pretty cruel to her in terms of like wanting her to be so ambitious um it i think in in thinking of that as the narration of her life my perspective of her is that this is not the actual events that took place this is her very reasonable justifications for it and in that sense, that's where I think if you read it from that one, it's actually a lot more interesting about the way that these men act like they are the victims and that they are the ones that were hurt and that they're the ones that are sensitive about all of this. But at the end of the day, she's the 16 year old that was unloved and she's the one that will carry this with her forever. Um, and they're the men that are simply upset at having to face the consequences for the, their actions. I, okay, one thing I disagree with, I actually really like the scene where she talks about how everyone in this town is going nowhere. Because again, I think from the like, narr- if you remove the person who made mm-hmm. this 
And you look at, and I think a lot of this comes from Reese Witherspoon's characterization. Like, even as a child actress, she was really good in this role. And it's only through the little things that she does with this character that allow me to have this interpretation. Because the way that she talks about certain things, I find so interesting. Because even when she talks about how it's so sad and how they're going nowhere, I don't think she talks about it with the coldness that you would expect if she actually believed it to a certain extent. There is a a vulnerability in the way that she speaks that I find very, very interesting and very well done. And she talks about how it's so sad that no one in this town is going nowhere, but specifically she's talking about Ferris Bueller's character. And it's fascinating because she's not wrong. He doesn't like his life and he is taking it out on her. Like she is saying what he actually thinks about his life, but will not admit. And the way that that is bookended by him at the end, talking about how he thinks her life is Mm -hmm. so sad, about how she's going to be chasing her ambitions for the rest of her life. When, I mean, even at the end, she clearly, even if she's sleeping with this guy or not, she is clearly significantly happier than him. Like in terms of people who won in this movie, it's her, not him. He... His way of, I think the end of the movie with him trying to tell us that he loves his life now in New York and being like a museum educator. When he throws the cup, that's what what made it better. I Because you can tell that he's lying to himself. He's basically doing what she was doing as a child. Like she, I choose to believe that she grows up and stops being a child. He clearly never does. He, he Mm -hmm. stays the exact way that he was at the beginning of the movie, trying to like lying to himself about his life. But again, I also think you cannot give men credit Mm -hmm. for anything. This, I'm going to say, if nothing else, the man writing this didn't think about this at all, thought it was totally fine what he was doing, probably considers Reese Witherspoon a villain. Um, But Reese Witherspoon's acting. I I agree. Her acting in this was brilliant. I think she like got nominated for like. At the end of the day, you know, like was she was victimized by that teacher. She was groomed. But you're watching her at the end of the day flourish despite that. I choose to believe at the end, she is not sleeping with that man. She is a judge. She was a young judge and she's just living her best life. Well, we are at a bit over an hour for this episode, so we didn't quite hit what we were hoping for, but I'm not going to lie. Even I ran away with election. Um, you are like, we absolutely should have kept it as a pick because wow. Great movie. I mean, yeah. um, well, depending, depending on how you want to look at it, because in some ways, maybe it's only just a good movie. But I will say a little sneak peek for next week. Uh, we'll wrap this up in the next like five minutes. My pick for you. So while I desperately wanted to pick Cher so that I could force <laughs> Natasha to watch Mamma Mia 2 and she would have no choice. And Cher's only in it for two minutes. So that would make me even happier that she would watch that whole thing just for Cher to be in it for two seconds to sing Fernando. Um, and then I would get Steph to watch Mermaids because I think she would love it. And then I'd watch Moonstruck because what a great movie as oh, well. Good one. So when I tell you I had everything picked out, but we selected so many white people for this. And I think we need to do yeah. better. But I was also inspired by Steph's classic movie choice uh, in terms of actress. So I will not tell you guys the movies yet. I'll let you guys know Ooh. after the episode. But I have picked Queen Latifah. <gasps> I'm Ooh. so excited. Yes. Yes, someone who has as well a very varied movie TV show history, underrated. So can't wait next week to talk about some Queen Latifah. Yeah, that's everything from us. As always, let us know what you think about these movies on our Twitter and our Instagram at EatsCast or our Pinterest on Everyone and Their Sister Pod. Let us know what you think about the movie Election. If you have to pick which movies that we watch to rewatch, it's Cruel Intentions Mm -hmm. and our unofficial pick Mm -hmm. Election. Because, again, Nat's also very correct that you can't give Ben credit for anything. And that I'm probably giving this movie too much underlying hope that anything's happening there. But watch it and let us know what you think. And definitely watch Cruel Intentions again just to be kind to yourself. Thanks so much for listening. Join us next week. Bye. Bye. I'm not even saying that that's wrong. I'm just saying like, is your business everybody's business? And if it is, fine. But if it's not, 